Welcome back into the Orthodox Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimwing here with y'all as always. Today we continue our preseason preview series, conference by conference. And today looking at the Ivy League. Looked at the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Big East in previous or the past three episodes over the past couple of weeks. Ivy League will be looked at today, Patriot League, and the rest of the bunch coming up next week. So let's get into things here and and start things off with my projected final standings, projected rankings, whatever you want to say, here in the Ivy League. Um, a conference that last year was 2022, tremendous. 2023, good, but certainly not as dominant as they were the year prior, but still one of the best in the college of class and expected to be that again here in 2024. So let's get into my projected rankings here. Um, let's go from top to bottom, and then we'll look at some of these teams. I'll give a little blurb. Not going to talk about every single team. I have with uh, as I do with the Big East. Not going to talk about every single team at length, but we'll definitely give a blurb, a uh, tidbit about each of these teams in each of these seven teams in the Ivy League. So number one here, I have Cornell. Number two, I have Yale, and number three, I have Penn. I have those three as the top three in the Ivy League. Again, my projected. Their final standings, projected rankings. I have Princeton at number four. So, top four teams get into the Ivy League tournament. That's what I would have right now. We're sitting here in, in January, sitting here looking outwardly. I have Cornell, Yale, Penn, Princeton as your top four in that order uh, in the Ivy League. And, 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 and by nature of that, those four would be the ones getting that bid in the postseason. Five, six, and seven. I have Harvard at five. I have Brown at six, and I have Dartmouth at seven. Those are the last three teams I have there in the Ivy League here in twenty twenty four. Um, I do want to mention here though. I think this year, so you got some key storylines to follow, like um, among those bottom three that I have right now. Harvard, Brown, and Dartmouth. Among those three, so with Dartmouth, obviously, you know, they got over the hump last year in terms of ending that Ivy League losing streak, beating Harvard uh, in, I believe, was that a snow game? I believe it was. Um, great win for them. You know, you've got a new head coach now in Sean Cohen. Um, you've got Mikey Herring as your offensive coordinator, and Matt. Uh, which uh, as your defensive coordinator, I think they've got a great staff in there. And you look at some of these guys that are on that roster, Colin McGill, offensively helping lead things, Emmett Paradine uh, as well there was a stellar freshman last season. Joe Zelby uh, on the back end is uh, your top pole of attorney. You've got Sam Cooper, who was tremendous last year as a freshman in the cage. There's a lot to like about Dartmouth and a lot to like about the trajectory of that program where it's going. 
Are they going to get another win in IU play this season? I don't know. I don't know. But I do feel like that the gap between them and the rest of the conference, which had been there, I feel like the gap is, is, is certainly closing and has certainly closed. Um, they are, look, when you, when you look at their recruiting, when you look at their development over the past couple of years and coming into this season, a new era there, those hopes for Dartmouth where, you know, in past years you looked at it and said, you know, we're probably going to get some good non-conference wins. We might, you know, that that's what they had done in, in what was it, 2020 and 2022. They got some good non-conference wins, but couldn't get it done in conference play. Now you say, you know, okay, we've gotten the monkey off our back. New coach, new era. Let's... Let's continue to build there. Let's continue to add on to this. And they should be able to do so. Uh, but still, right now, with where they've been, have them, and, and with their talent compared to the rest of this conference, still last in the Ivy League. I have Brown at 6. I struggled Brown, Harvard, who I put 6 and 7. Ultimately, it went with Brown there at 6. They do lose Devin McLean. They do lose Griffin King. Um, Offensively, they, you know, they, they, they return Aiden McLean, they return Mateo Forsey, uh, multiple of those younger guys there were guys who stepped up last season. You get in, uh, you return Trey Taylor, defensively was a, a, a stellar freshman there for them um, at, on defense. Um, Matt Gunty is gone at the faceoff dot. There's a lot to replace there at Brown. Um, this is a program that has been maybe one of the more consistent programs in the Ivy League in terms of they haven't had a ton of like super duper down years. Um, but they also haven't had a ton of super high years either. 2016, 2022, uh, obviously 2016 going to Championship Weekend, and then 2022 will be in. Uh, co-Ivy League champions, host the Ivy League tournament in 2022, you know, was up and down year for them last season, had some good wins, but wasn't as dominant as, as they were the year prior, or as, as consistent as they were the year prior. I have Brown there at six because of those losses they have, because of what they need to replace. Now, Harvard, and if you look at this season, this, this, um, you look back at last season, and I cannot remember that Harvard Brown game was a tremendous game between those two. 16 to 15, overtime victory. Okay, it wasn't overtime. Overtime victory for Harvard, and that one was at Brown. I think these two teams are just as close this year, probably to each other, as they were a year ago. I would give the benefit of the doubt to Harvard. You look at, you know, obviously you have to replace Hayden Cheek at the attack spot. You have to replace Chase Yeager at the defensive midfield spot. You wonder how, with Chase Yeager gone, how is that rope unit going to be? How are they going to be in between the boxes? They've been pretty good. They were pretty good there last season. That's a question mark there. This offense, I think, you know, even though Harvard had a, uh, a lesser year last season than they did the year before, they, they seemed to have take maybe a sophomore slump the, the, the entire team had, if you want to say that, there were still improvements made there. Now, 
faceoff has got to get better. They've got to address that issue. And then defensively, this is a team got some pretty good def uh, defensive players there. Christian Barnard was pretty good as a, 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 as a first year starter in in cage. Colin Bergstrom, Greg Campsey, two solid poles that you had there. This defense, however, and they had some good performances. That Cornell game, I remember specifically, was fantastic defensively for Harvard. Can this defense stop elite offenses, though? And to, I mean, I'm looking at this Ivy League right now, and, and, and who do I have above Harvard? I've Cornell, I've Yale, I've Penn, and I've Princeton. All of those teams have offenses that could be elite this season or have players offensively that you would categorize as elite within their respective conference and possibly within the college across landscape in general. So stopping those top-tier defenses is, 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 is the big question I have there with Harvard, if they can get that done, if they can continue to take a step forward. Because like I said, they took a step back last year in some respects, continued some progression in other areas, Still a younger team, very younger team. We'll see if they can improve here in 2024. Now, some of these, kind of the four top storylines, I think, in the Ivy League this season all pertain to those teams I have listed as my top four. Cornell, Yale, Penn, and Princeton. Let's start here with Cornell. Big Red last season upset in the uh, Ivy League semifinals, upset in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Chase Irwin is gone in cage. Gavin Adler is gone on the back end. Everybody else practically for that team returns in some respect. They do. You've got C.J. Coast back, Michael Long back, and what's the Michael Long effect going to be? Because we saw him input into that offense last season when he was healthy, and this team played pretty dang good. Hugh Kelleher is also back. Aiden Boyk is also back. Two of the top players at the midfield position, and I think this is a, a team that once again has is going to have a fairly deep midfield unit both off on, on, on both ends of the field. A team that they showed that last year, expect them to show that again this year. This offense is going to be uh, particularly good. This offense is going is expected to be particularly stellar. CJ Coast, I have right now, just to put it out there, as my Torrington favorite coming into the 2024 season. He led the nation in points last season and in goals. This is a, 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 a an uber produ productive a you know class A player at at Cornell. Like this is a, a all American Fortune favorite type player. You there, 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 there's not much more that you can ask for him to do that he hasn't already done. He's progressed each season at Cornell. Expect him to increase that production again here in twenty twenty four. I mean, this Cornell team is 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 strong. It is strong in, in many ways. You've got Jason Singer and Jack Follows there as your top returners at close. Um, you have got at the faceoff dot 
Angelo Plakis and Jack Kaskinen. Two solid options there at the dot. That duo played fairly well last season. Um, I, I think it's an area where I would still expect or want to see improvement from Cornell, but still played pretty good. And uh, up against the rest of this conference, I think you have to say Cornell is the best team in the Ivy League heading into 2024. And they are, as I look at it right now, projecting out in the future, probably the only team that I would say with certainty from this conference that will be in the fight or will be playing on Memorial Day weekend in 2024. Now, whether that happens or not, God only knows. But this team has the absolute potential to do so. Goalie is a question mark. Who's your alpha defensively with losing Adler? Those are your two biggest question marks. I think they can address those issues. I believe that if they address those issues, most certainly they will be the best team in the Ivy League for sure. Now, Princeton and Penn. I want to talk about these two teams kind of together because they are, uh, as I wrote a couple weeks ago, two of the most intriguing teams in not only the Ivy League, but in college across in general, coming into the 2024 season. Both Princeton and Penn are, and for very different reasons, I will say uh, about that. One team loses just an, 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 an immense amount of talent, an immense amount of production, while the other team loses some key pieces, loses a really big key piece, but everything else, all the other production, is basically back from a year ago. If you read my piece from a few weeks ago, or if you just follow Cross in general, you know which team I'm uh, referring to in each of those little snippets I, 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 I just said there. Um, Penn, who I have as the third best team in the Ivy League right now, as my number three in the projected, projecting outwards, projecting final standings. I have Penn um, as you know, one of the most intriguing teams in the country because of what they return. Now, look, you've got, you know, this is a team that I would say, and I wrote this in here, um, and, and I'm going to read exactly what I said here in this first line here. If you haven't heard me say it yet, you'll hear me say it soon and probably a few more times. But I have the Penn Quakers in my bucket of overlooked and underrated teams heading into the 2024 season. And that is despite the fact that they will certainly be in the top 20 to start the year. They will. They're in the top 20 in the uh, rankings that we've seen so far. Um, you know, they're coming off a season they went seven and six overall. They kind of started a little you know, off awfully, but got things together. Penn again having one of the toughest schedules in the country. They're gonna have a lot of time to prove themselves. They're gonna have a lot of time to prepare for Ivy League play. And within proving themselves, as I've mentioned a ton, or did mention a ton in our schedule breakdown podcast, 
they can build an NCAA resume in February and March with that schedule. They can. They can. One, two, three of those big wins, even two of those big wins hit. They've got a pretty good resume. And again, playing for the Ivy League slate. Sam Hanley is gone. Sam Hanley is gone. That's the biggest thing. Y'all waiting for me to say it. Sam Hanley is gone. Sam Hanley was the most attention-drawing player that Penn has had. And I, I can't remember. Like, I cannot remember a player who drew as much attention for the Quakers as Hanley did these past three seasons. I mean, this is a man who he stepped on the field. Defenses knew where he was, pointing at where he was, and was sliding to where he was. He was able to be used in a myriad of different ways. A guy who can draw the two slide and be a facilitator. A guy who can just take it to the rack on a shorty or on a defender. Can do so. Big. Strong physical is some words to describe what Sam Hanley was for Penn. They're going to have to find, and this offense is going to look a bit different this year without him in his presence. But it's still a pretty dang good offense. The question of just who's going to be that alpha, who's going to be kind of running things. Maybe we see a by-committee approach here where we'll be positioning this offense. I don't know. We'll see. Penn is a team that gets better as the year goes on every single season. They develop very well every year. They, one of the younger guys, seem to develop very well as the season goes on every single year. And yes, a lot of teams do that, but Penn specifically seems to do it maybe a little bit better and a little bit more consistently than some other programs. Ben Smith is back. 27 goals, 7 assists last season. Cam Rubin, 24 goals, 7 assists last season. James Shipley, back as well, two-way midfielder, 10 goals, 18 assists. Freshman Leo Hoffman, he was injured in the fall, or recuperating from injury in the fall. He was injured in the spring, high school season. Big-time freshman midfielder. What does he do? How does he step in and, 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 and be an impact player there? Is he going to be that day one impact player that we think he can be, that's a question there for them as well. Emmett Carroll in cage, 54.9% save percentage last season. Very good for Penn, and this is a Penn defense that I think has some pretty good potential this year. Peter Blake, Blake, Brendan Lavelli, Ethan Till, all back at close. Uh, this is a Penn team that can Cardiac Quakers, they can play close games, they can win close games, they can play fast, they can play transition offense, they can also settle it up and slow things down, and we saw, we've seen them do that over the years as well. This is a, a program that can do a lot of different things each year, and seems to kind of pull all those different tricks out of the hat when they need to. Again, the Cardiac Quakers as they've been dubbed. Are they going to be that again this season? I don't know. But what I do know is this is a team that has a ton of potential, 
and a team that can be a threat in the Ivy League and maybe even on the national stage. Princeton, on the other hand, does not return a, 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 a super-duper amount of... Uh, well, actually, I, I should take it back. Princeton returns a ton of talent. They've recruited extremely well. They return a ton of talent, ton of young guys. Ton of guys who haven't gotten to prove themselves maybe to the fullest extent just yet. But we're going to see them step up. We're going to see who steps into the fold. We're going to see who becomes that kind of next generation there at Princeton um, in many different roles. They lose Alex Slusher, Sam English, Alexander Vidalo, Jake Stevens, Christian Ronda, and then also defenseman uh, Ben Fenway and Bo Pedersen at the defensive midfield spot. Princeton loses as much talent, or more talent, I should say, more production than any other team in the Ivy League and any other team in college plus in general. It is insane to me how much talent they lose, but how much confidence I still have in this program despite losing that talent. We've seen them repeal and replace again and again here in the Matt Madelon era, specifically these past couple of years when Princeton really has um, you know, taken itself to a new level. And this was a program for years that would have one or two or three uh, really good players, but their depth just wasn't there. Their depth was never developed to that extent. This is a program with a lot of freaking depth. They've got a lot of depth this season, and they've had it the past couple of years. How it comes to review itself will be seen, but I trust and I expect that Princeton will have that again in 2024. You've got Colter McAsee coming in, who may be the most electrifying player, one of the most electrifying, electrifying players excuse me, in college across, had a stellar uh, sophomore campaign last season, you know, 55 goals, 23 assists. You've also uh, got Colin Molshine, a leader on the back end, uh, 19 ground balls, 10 cross turnovers last season for them. Expect big things from him. And then, oh yeah, Michael Gina Ficaro, who I think could end up being one of, if not the best goalie in college across this season. You had that goalie duel battle with Princeton last season, early in the year. He wins out 179 saves, 57.7% save percentage. Lots of like there with just those couple returning guys I've mentioned. And oh yeah, Princeton also gets in the number one recruiting class in the country. Nate Kabili highlighting things there. He's a guy, played in the fall, was an impact player in one of those fall scrimmages, showed a lot. Does that manifest itself here also in the spring? And just how impactful can this freshman class be? We mentioned Kabili, but he's not the only one. Go and, 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 and there's a litany of guys coming in here for Princeton in 2024 that are freshmen on both ends of the field that can be impact players for them. So freshmen at Princeton, how do you how do you come in? How do you impact things here for a program that, like I said, seems to have depth year over year now? They continue that should be a, a, a decent or good season for Tigers. We'll definitely be in top 20, maybe top 10, top 15 
at seven points this season for sure. Yale, the Yale Bulldogs. Um, Brad Sharp is out for the season, as was reported a couple weeks ago. I believe Insider Lacrosse first had that. Brad Sharp out for the season. Unfortunate injury there. But I'm still pretty dang confident in this offense. Chris Lyons, Matt Brandau, Thomas Black, Leo Johnson. Um, I think that's all I need to mention, right? That's all I need to mention. 70, let's see, Chris Lyons, 74 points last season. 62 goals, 12 assists. Matt Brandau, 70 points. 37 goals, 33 assists. If you're looking for a uh, Swarton Dark Horse, maybe look at Matt Brandau. Maybe look, oh, look Chris Lyons. I don't know. Look at Yale. All I'm saying, look at Yale. Leo Johnson, 40 goals, 22 assists. Brad, 19 goals, 7 assists. And, oh yeah, three man-up goals for Bragg, five for Johnson. Bragg, absolute cannon from the outside. Oh yeah, Carson Cool was a sophomore last season. Ten goals, 11 assists. That's 21 points. All these guys are back. Every single one of them. Max Krevsky. To add some more firepower. All these guys are back. Literally, all these guys are back. And this offense, and I'm going to look this up real quick right now because I did not write this down. This offense, last season, 15.13 goals per game. That's fourth best in the country. Best offense in the Ivy League. Fourth best in the country. Only behind Notre Dame, Utah, and Virginia. And we know what those offenses did. Heck, one of them won a national championship. The other one... Virginia, one of those other ones, Virginia, was in championship weekend. Utah also made the tournament last year as well. Duke, Georgetown, Cornell sitting behind Yale in terms of goals per game last season. Jared Parquet is back in cage as well, so you've got some confidence defensively, or, sorry, or do you? Do you have confidence defensively? Michael Alexander has been a good player for them. Um, I mentioned Jared Parquet and Cage. He's been, been a good player for them. Um, Bryce DeMuth back as well. But you could get some guys that you look at and say they've been good players. But his defense overall, have they been good as a unit? Have they been given me or anyone else in the college across world confidence as a unit? The answer there is no. No, th 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 this Yale defense has been pretty pathetic, especially against elite competition. I mean, they allowed was it twenty goals to Cornell in the Ivy League opener last season. There was and and, and Yale's defense, I will say, as like overall, did see some improvement. Did see some improvement. Wasn't all bad, but I mean, just look at this. You allowed twenty to Cornell. 23 to Princeton, 17 to Penn. That's how they started 0-3 in Ivy League play. They held Brown and Harvard to uh, 10 and 11, Dartmouth to 11 in a blowout loss, a blowout win. Allowed Cornell to held Cornell to 15 in the in the Ivy League semifinals. So get a little better. 
but then you allow 19 to Princeton in the Ivy League title game. You allow 19 to Georgetown in the NCAA tournament. Folks, this is a team that has a ton of potential with this offense and just how good they can be, how great they can be, how good this team can play in between the boxes and, and, and with their guide and everything we've seen there. But this is a team that desperately needs to improve defensively. And I've said this, everyone has said this, for the past two, three years. Yale, really good offense. Really, really good offense. Actually, an amazing offense. An offense that can take you to championship weekend. Absolutely. Defensively, though, you're not going to get out of the first round of the NCAA tournament if you even make it there. Am I suggesting that's going to happen? No. I think probably Cornell, Yale, Penn, or Princeton, a combination of those four, will all be in the hunt on Selection Sunday. At least two, maybe three of those, at least two of those teams will make it in the tournament the way I see it right now. That also depends on the Big East, the ACC, the Big Ten, how many teams there, how many teams those conferences get in the Patriot League if they can play spoiler or, or, or whatever. But Yale, end of the day, Yale has got to improve defensively. It is a fact. It is a fact. A blatantly proven fact. Might not be the best terminology there, but a proven fact. Yale has an offense, again, I'll say it, that can take you to championship weekend. They have a defense that will get you beat in the first round of the NCAA tournament if it even allows you to make it there. That is, that's how we'll end things today on Yale. Uh, that's how we'll end this episode here uh, talking about a storyline we've talked about for multiple years now. Yale defense and, and, and this Yale team. Alright folks, you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube as well. You can connect with us on uh, social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter slash X, Instagram and Facebook, lacrossebucket.com where it's always lacrosse season.